I'm T. Rick Jones. I'm the managing editor. And I'm Chris Post, contributing writer. Uh, I'm Aster Lufkin. I'm also a contributing writer. And this is your daily Star Trek news roundup for the week of February 4, 2024. The first thing I want to talk about is uh, the Saturn Awards were last Sunday. Uh, it was a big night for Star Trek. Um, I, I think the biggest award that was given out, and, and we'll talk about each of the awards, but I think the biggest one that was given out was the Lifetime Achievement Award for the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, so talk to me about what you thought when you heard that announcement. What, you know, is it a good thing? Did you, were you excited? What, what, what are your thoughts? So, so my, my, my first thought was, wow, Star Trek did really well. They 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 really cleaned up. Uh, you know, I love Star Trek, obviously. So yay for the home team. But then my Gen X cynical thought was, did Star Trek really deserve all these awards? Or is this a love letter to Star Trek from the Saturn Awards voters because of the big question mark around Star Trek and everything that's happening with Paramount? Yeah. Um, oh. and did you come to a conclusion? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I did not really come to a conclusion on it. I hope it's just, you know, that, that the voters felt that, that the actors and, and, and everybody associated, uh, were deserving of the award, but, you know, sometimes we know that awards are more than just awards. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a statement. And so I think maybe that it might have been a statement saying, Hey, Paramount, uh, People want this content. Don't keep shelving. Don't keep sidelining. Don't don't keep monkeying around with with this stuff that people like and people want. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that would be a shame if if it was just sort of a a signifier award and not like a deserved award. Um, you know, I, I I hate playing favoritism, even if it's a franchise we love with, with Star Trek. You know. Um, uh, Aster, what what are your thoughts? Oh, I mean, Chris, I definitely see what you're saying, and I don't. Know, I'm an optimist just in general, so I think of like specifically Picard season three was astounding in season three. Right? Was astounding in in every way, and I think even if it was a sort of call to Paramount, I think the actors definitely deserved the awards they they got, and. Also, The Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek show, so I think they totally deserve that Lifetime Achievement Award with zero bias, obviously. But, I mean, it, it that, that show had a lot of impact on so many people, and I think, I mean, having as a younger person, having watched it, it still remains so relevant and so true and can speak to so many people, and I think the cast is astounding. So, I I mean, I think they definitely deserve I think, those awards. Yeah. I think if there hadn't been Star Trek The Next Generation and the uh, its enduring appeal to multiple generations of Star Trek fans, I don't think that we would have the Trek that we have today. There, there might be there might be something, but it wouldn't be the full blossom of of Trek that we have today. Uh, just because people so connected with the Next Generation, I mean, there, Voyager had its fans, DS Nine had its fans, but the Next Generation really has rippled out uh through through time uh touching generation after generation uh and so i i completely agree the lifetime achievement award for for next generation was wholeheartedly 
uh, deserved. Picard season three, it was good. Um, but I wonder, was it, did it just feel good because season one and season two were not good? Like season one of Picard is, I mean, I watch everything Star Trek, but season one arguably was was not good storytelling. It took way too long. Uh, it was a very bloated. It, it should have been a two-part episode of The Next Generation. It should not have been an entire season of a, right. of a show. I believe with season one, they started filming before they were done writing the show, if I remember correctly. So I think that accounts for whatever the hell was happening in the second half of that season. <laughs> they realized they did not have enough episodes to wrap everything up. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the Lifetime Achievement Award, I grew up uh, with TNG. I mean, I became a Star Trek fan right before TNG started. So I was watching the original series and then The Next Generation started and... I, I think they that cast and everybody involved in that show deserves a lot of credit, as Chris said, to to bring you know it, basically what happened there opened the door to all other Star Trek. You know, if it mm -hmm. for if it weren't for the the original series, there would be no Star Trek. But if it weren't for the Next Generation, Star Trek would not have continued. Um, and the strong writing, especially in the later seasons, season three and beyond. Um, I think there would not have been, and the strong acting as well. Um, in terms of, I tend to agree that um, I'm not sure. I love Patrick Stewart. I love Jonathan Frakes. I love Jerry Ryan. They all won awards. Um, I tend to agree that, and I haven't seen every Star Trek or every science fiction series that's out there, but I tend to agree that there probably was something a little bit something something better um i i think it is possibly a comparison uh to the first two seasons um but but also it's interesting that the three people that won awards were legacy character actors you know um picard's uh uh riker and seven of nine it was nobody knew that, um you know we didn't get michelle hurd who i think deserves all the awards. I think she's fantastic in that series. Um or um Captain Captain Shaw, whose name I'm forgetting now, uh actor name. But um but you know he he was wonderful. You know, like a lot of people deserved awards in that show. Um and Yeah, well I mean season three was was good. Uh it was certainly much better than season one and season two. Uh, yeah. It's certainly season, season one was season one as a Star Trek fan. Season one was was rough for me to watch. It it was one of those ones where it's kind of one foot in front of the other march to get through the episodes. Um, and and so, um, you know, like I said, I love it, but I'll be critical of it when <laughs> when, when, when I call it like I see it. And and season one was was not good. Season one of Discovery was not good. Uh, in my opinion, and and so a lot of the new Trek shows have really had to kind of struggle to to find their footing. But so did the Next Generation, I guess. Right, I was going to say so, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. They all had their missteps in season one. The Next Generation season one, there are a few episodes throughout which are pretty good, but in general, season one of the Next Generation was was not great a lot of the time. No. There's the, what's the the rule that Star Trek shows only get good at season three, and that's fairly consistent across most <laughs> Star Trek shows. 
Uh, I will say I have a very skewed opinion of Picard because I actually watched it out of order. I watched season two first and then season one because I I heard season one was so bad that I didn't watch it. But then (laughs) I knew someone watching season two. And I was like, well, I'll watch season two. Like, I, I don't. I don't need the context. And then I ended up liking season two a lot. So I went back and watched season one. Yeah, season so I sort three of, was okay. I think season three was the was the best, in my opinion. Um, I, yeah, I agree. I think in a lot of people's opinion. Um, but, you know, I, I watched the series again. I, I like... Even, even bad Star Trek is good Star Trek, in my opinion. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on... Um, so, Aster, you uh, just did a review of Picard's Academy, which is a comic book series that just wrapped up from from IDW Publishing. Neither Chris nor I have read it. Uh, you seemed to think it was uh, pretty good, huh? Yeah, I I loved it. It's I really like wholesome pieces of media, which is why I'm a big Star Trek fan. I think a lot of times it can be sort of. Uh, a downer and dark but i think it still has that wholesome like nice undertone um and that that's exactly what picard's academy was it, it felt a lot like a nice warm hug which i think everyone needs right now and i sort of reading it it i the show the vibes it had is sort of what i'm hoping will come from the starfleet academy show it's very lighthearted, and the problems they're facing aren't world-changing problems it's their final exam they're not gonna die you know but it's so it it is lighthearted, and and you're not the the stakes aren't that high but you still manage to love the characters and they're all very compelling and it's it's very lighthearted and fun and so it it was sort of exactly what i needed as a sort of stress release and i think it's perfect Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, I, I'm curious. I'm going to read it at some point. I do read the comics. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Uh, and I didn't have to review it because you were reviewing it. So um, <laughs> so I'll get there. Uh, there's a lot of media to consume. Um, so if you want to check out Aster's reviews, they're all on dailystartreknews.com. Um, you can just type in Aster Lufkin or you can type in... Um, Picard's Academy and in the search bar and it should come in our newly fixed search bar, I should add. Um, and it, it should come up. Um, so, uh, that's great. Um, uh, next up, uh, the Star Trek adventures, uh, uh, tabletop role-playing game, uh, which I have not played, but I've seen some of the books. It seems pretty cool. Everybody who's played it says it's cool. They've just come out with a new expansion, um, this is, uh, it's called the Federation Klingon War Tactical Campaign, and it's about the Federation Klingon War, um, that takes place in Star Trek Discovery, early in Star Trek Discovery. Um, so, uh, I, I know you are a gamer, Aster. I don't know if, if you game at all, um, Chris. I don't tend to play tabletop role-playing games, um, but I always find the books interesting uh to to glance through so what are you guys thoughts on that uh i i've never played uh the star trek role-playing game i've wanted to i just can't get enough people together to play it with me um and i mean i have played other uh role-playing games that take place in space and i found that oftentimes like I, when it when a game's taking place during a war, it can often get really complicated and hard to keep track of. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious to see how this expansion does. 
in the sense that wars aren't actually that fun in tabletop role-playing games because they tend to have a lot of politics involved. And while it's interesting, it could be hard for players, especially if you're only playing for one or two sessions. So I'm I'm curious to see how this is, and I'll probably find a version of the module to just look through. That's cool. You know, they, yeah. they have a solo table, a solo version now out. Uh, you should you should grab that off and and play that. Hey, I, I do want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And now I haven't I haven't played this uh, this latest version. I I have played uh, Star Trek tabletop role playing before, but it was years ago the old uh, uh, FASA Star Trek role playing game system. So I would be interested to play this one. I do play uh, role playing games, but mostly Dungeons and Dragons and and uh, Star Wars uh, rather than Star Trek. But um, one of the things uh, I do like about the role playing books though is the the background information that you can get um one of the things that i like to uh kind of deep dive into sometime is like ship schematics and like how many crew uh different classes of ships could have uh you know so often with star trek uh in film and television we see the hero ships uh you know these big top of the line flagships but one of the things that i did like about star trek season one was la serena this little little ship uh you know skeleton crew tiny little ship those are my favorites uh in in star trek when you see like somebody like uh uh mud who's just out there one guy with the ship play plying the space lanes you know those are the kind of stories uh that that almost uh uh really kind of grab my attention sometimes and so a lot of times these manuals and especially ones that have to do with warfare are really good at giving you that background uh, technical information on on some of those ships, and especially little ships like scout ships and and little attack cruisers, and and fun things that you only seem to see as background when we're fighting the the Borg, you know, in space. You know, like oh, there's a saber, you know, like oh wow, there's a Jaeger class, and it's like yeah, it's there for like two seconds, and then it gets blown up, and then we go back to the Enterprise bridge. <laughs> I agree. That's what I don't do a lot of role. In fact, I don't think I've ever played any tabletop role playing. Um, but uh, but I that's what I like about them too. I like looking through the books and like looking at all the all the information you can get using them as reference. Um, you know, I cracked a few open when I was writing trivia for Daily Star Trek News. Um, you know, I cracked some open to find some find some interesting, you know, background information. Um, they're really interesting books to read. And uh, you know, sometime, sometime, I'll I'll play one probably. Maybe I'll pick up the solo one and try it just on my own first, and then and then find some people to play with. Um, but yeah, I think you know, and the books tend to be like nice editions. Like uh, very often, they're like hardcover books and things like that that you know, are really nice su- sort of souvenir books too. Sometimes, so. Um, yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's interesting, but I appreciate what you said, Aster, about you know, war is not really fun to play. <laughs> um, so you know, um, we'll see. We'll see how it does. You know, um, I know uh, um, one of our writers, Alex, uh, plays plays uh, Star Trek Adventures, so maybe he'll pick it up and let us know how it is. So, um. Uh, next up, we've got Rosalind Chow is voicing um, a new edition of, uh, of an audiobook um, for a Chinese science fiction novel called The Three-Body Problem. Now, in physics, The Three-Body Problem uh, 
is trying to figure out the future position of three planetary, or not planetary necessary, three stellar bodies that are orbiting each other. So like you take the position of the Earth, the Sun, and the Moon as they are right now, and then you try to predict where they'll be in a hundred, a thousand, a billion years. You know, it's it's that's what the three body problem is in physics. In this novel, um, the it's it takes place in the past, present, and future, and it's about these three in three different times, Earth's encounter with an alien race that is from a um a solar system sorry i'm just trying to get this right it's from a solar system where there are three stars that are orbiting each other um and that's that's the sort of the um elevator pitch of the novel it's apparently a great novel it's won awards it's had an audiobook in the past um but rosalind chow is about to uh be in the netflix series that's coming out in march um so they had her do a new recording of it um and rosalind chow as star trek fans will know played keiko o'brien in star trek next generation and then in uh, star trek deep space nine um so it should be pretty cool um we'll see do you guys have any thoughts uh, the well i problem has, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, has been on my to read list for I think four years now, my my physics teacher, my freshman year of high school, was like, you absolutely have to read this book. It's the best book I've ever read. Um, and I haven't touched it. <laughs> I want to. I want to pick it up. Uh, I actually almost, I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I have a long walk in the morning. Um, and I almost just got it on audiobook. And now I'm really happy I didn't because I think I'll get this new audit. Hopefully it's on Audible. Get this new version and listen to it. So I'm I'm really excited. I, th I think it will be on Audible. I think it's coming out on Audible. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, I have I have a couple of Audible credits left uh, left to spend, and so it's it's in my mind it's going to be one. But I'm also looking forward to seeing the show. Um, I think I think the character of Keiko um, is sometimes maligned by by Star Trek fans, and um, but but. Rosalind Chow is a really good actress, and yeah. so, uh, so your feelings about Keiko O'Brien as a character aside, um, you know she's been on a lot of stuff, Joy Luck Club, and 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 a lot of uh, other non Star Trek things, and she's really good. Uh, and so I'm looking forward uh, uh, to seeing her on screen uh, in another science fiction project. And sometimes it's always fun for me to see Trek actors doing other things but when they also are doing other things that are still science fiction that's a bonus for me because science fiction is one of my favorite genres absolutely i you know rosalind chow and um keiko o'brien were not my favorites when when it was happening you know i just didn't i was like i don't really you know i don't really um but they've grown on me there there are several characters in the star trek universe and keiko is one of them who i did not like initially and now it's grown on me, and as I look back at, I just watched Data Day, Data's Day the other day, um, before this news broke, um, which is uh, Keiko O'Brien's first episode, um, and she's really grown on me as a character. Um, so, and I'm always happy to see Rosalind Chow show up and stuff. Um, so, I'm excited to see what she does in this series. I do want to read the book first, and I think the way I'm going to read the book is to actually listen to the book um, with with her voice. 
Um, I, I always like to read read the source material before I watch the show. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see see what comes of it and see how the book is. I'm excited to read science fiction that is not and watch science fiction that is not Star Trek because I watch a lot of Star Trek, especially since I took <laughs> over Daily Star Trek News, and it's it's kind of refreshing to go in another direction. Um, so, um, so I'm looking forward to, to that as well. That should be, that should be pretty cool. Um, and we'll just see. And, uh, Astor, since you took physics, was that an okay explanation of the three body problem? I've never taken physics. I, I, I don't know anything about physics. It, <laughs> I, I, I took physics Great. and I passed <laughs> physics. I am not a physicist. I, Fantastic. I, I don't, I barely could do force diagrams. I think the three body problem is way above my pay grade. Excellent. Then we'll just say I'm <laughs> correct. And all you physicists watching can uh, write, write into me and tell me how wrong I was. Um, uh, the last piece of news uh, we want to cover is news with a big question mark which is star trek discovery now has a release date it appears uh it it has been reported by trek core that um april 4th is going to be the release date of the first episode of um star trek discovery season five which will be the final season um nowhere else has this been said and and before i report on something i like to have some confirmation bias uh and uh, we don't have any confirmation on this. The only outlet that's reporting it is TrekCore. Um, it seems likely that it will be sometime in April or maybe May, but um, but we don't we don't have any confirmation. So um, talk to me. What are you guys' thoughts about about that? Well, uh, you know, I'm always excited for new Star Trek. Um, with, with with so many series in production. I wish that they would stagger it so that when one ends, the next one starts. So I don't ever have to have like any Star Trek withdrawal. Just five series, just ten weeks each. That's you know, just just give me give me Star Trek in a steady steady stream. Uh, waiting around for it is, is your vein. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, no, I'm excited for season five. I really liked uh, Discovery after the time jump. So I have a problem with prequels. I have a lot of problems. I guess I'm just a grouchy guy. I'm realizing as a, as a recorder, <laughs> I have a lot of problems with a lot of things. What grinds my gears? But I have a lot of problems with prequels because they end up with like either technology that is too advanced for the time period. And we're just supposed to like ignore the fact that like Discovery has holograms when the set was made out of plywood in in the original series and it, it's hard it's hard for me to, to to wrap my brain around around those kinds of things so then when they jump 800 years into the future then they can have all the new technology they want and it's not a problem and my brain is very happy and i can just sit back and enjoy the science fiction and, and so i've been i've been very much enjoying discovery after the time jump uh, I'm glad that Discovery was around when it was because then it gave us Strange New Worlds, and I, Strange New Worlds is my favorite of the new Trek. Uh, so, and it's a prequel, so there I go, just contradicting myself. But, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm really excited to see where they go. I'm excited to see the setup for Starfleet Academy, uh, and and see see where they go with that. And so, there's a lot of loose threads that are out there, and I'm very anxious to see how they tie them all up in this final season. 
Yeah. What about you, Aster? So I'm so excited. Discovery is my favorite of the new shows. And it was also the first Star Trek I ever watched, which is a weird introduction to Star Trek, I will say. Um, but I, I have I have like a whole theory on the order in which I think you should watch Star Trek. And I believe that people who are like Gen Z should start with Discovery. I think it is a really good jumping off point. I'm getting so off topic. The point is, I'm really excited. Um, I can't wait to put a countdown on my phone. Uh, so something to look forward to. And I hope it's April 4th because I, that's sooner in April. <laughs> and the sooner, the better. April 1st would be preferred. Actually, I have a big project on April 1st. April 2nd is probably my preferred Star Trek release. <laughs> but remember, the sooner it starts, the sooner it ends. Yeah, but we have such a long Star Trek hiatus right now. I'm having to find new shows to watch. I I don't know what to do. Like, I, I usually just watch Star Trek, and that's fine, and I don't have to think about it. I know I can just turn on Star Trek and be fine. But now I'm like branching into new media and it's it's a whole new world and I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's been good for you then as a person. You've grown. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I did just watch the Lightning Thief TV show, which is very good. I do oh, I do recommend. Yeah. Um I I'm looking forward to season five. I did not as much love after the time jump. I was very sort of uh, uh you know up, uptight about all the things that they were changing in canon um in the first two seasons until i was just like but they're telling good stories so just relax and um you know i took a pill and <laughs> calmed down and uh you know i'm enjoying the prequels um and just like okay so nothing things don't match exactly but we're getting and i think strange new worlds helped me come to this realization we're getting really good storytelling um even though they're messing with even though nurse chapel and spock are dating all of a sudden and then they're not dating for reasons and things like that you know that clearly had not happened in the original series um i there you know i i'm okay with that now i've gotten over it um uh, as seasons three and four, I actually didn't love as much until I rewatched. I haven't rewatched season four yet. I rewatched season three and I liked it a lot better the second time. Um, so I'm expecting that'll happen with season four as well. Season five looks like a blast. It looks like an, and I said this when I talked to Anthony Rapp last year, uh, it looks like an Indiana Jones kind of, kind of thing. And he said, yes, that's exactly what it is. And, um, and it's got Romulans, who are some of my favorite aliens in Star Trek. I love it when we meet the Romulans. Um, so I'm, I am on board. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And, um, you know, it's a shame. I had heard way at the beginning that they were canceling it, at, that it was, they only planned to go five seasons. And then I think they were like, well, this is popular. We'll just plan to go however long we can go. And then when they got canceled, everybody forgot that they were planning on only doing five seasons anyway. So. Um, so it's a shame that they're getting cut off without super, a super lot of notice. Um, but I wasn't that surprised actually when, when it was announced that there were five seasons. So we'll see my only, my only hope and concern is that when they went back to finish, to reshoot the end so that it was a, an actual conclusion, my hope is that they didn't screw it up. You know, I, I want them to stick the landing at the end. Um, and you know, it's tough to do when you're under pressure to like 
you know, change the last 10 minutes of an episode to close out an entire five-year series. So um, we'll see. But I'm really looking forward to it coming back. So, And as you say, I need some new Star Trek in my life. And so April 4th, uh, watch watch your feeds because as soon as we have some confirmation, uh, we'll, we'll report um, on the April 4th uh, premiere or whatever the premiere date happens to be. Um, I just want to wrap up, uh, by saying if you're a Patreon supporter watching us right now, thank you so much. Uh, your support means a heck of a lot to us. We could not do what we're doing without you. Um, uh, we're, we're in a little, some financial straits right now, um, here at daily Star Trek news. Uh, so if you're not a Patreon supporter and, uh, would like to support us and help us keep going. Um, Patreon support allows us to pay for our website hosting fees, our email hosting fees. We send out a newsletter um, and and uh, our podcast hosting fees. Um, and not only that, but it helps to pay our writers as well, who I think are pretty fantastic and special. And I, I want to keep them writing for us. So, um, so it helps with that. We've, we're going to be adding some new, um, Patreon, uh, merch. Uh, we're working on designs right now. Um, but, uh, even before that comes out, if you want to see, we're going to be trying to do one of these shows every week. And I also do a lot of uh, interviews, video interviews and all kinds of things. And uh, they are now, you can get early access to them on Patreon. So you can watch them two days in advance. Um, and better than that, they're ad free, which if you're watching this on YouTube, you're watching ads as well. Um, so Patreon supporters starting at the $1 level, I know there's a free level now, but starting at the $1 level, um, Patreon supporters will get the early access to these uh, ad-free. So your support means the world to us. And uh, even even that $1 a month uh, helps us out a lot. It, it really it keeps us going. Um, so please, if, you have, if you're able to, um, we would really appreciate the support. Um, end of speech. Uh, Chris Post, Aster Lufkin, thank you so much for joining me. Um, We'll be doing this again uh, in the very near future.